Thank you guys so much. I just want to, uh, I want to speak these words over you before we sit down and open up the word, okay? This comes straight out of Isaiah. And this is what the Lord um, wants to say to you right now. The Lord is waiting for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. And blessed are those who wait for his help. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. And though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. Your own ears are going to hear him. Right behind you, you'll hear a voice say, this is the way that you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And so the question today is, do we have voices, not just voices to sing praise, but do we have ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us today? Father, I pray that as we open your word right now that you will give us those ears, that we will hear your voice. Some of us need that today in a new way, in a fresh way, in a strong way, and I pray that you will do that and that we will have hearts open to receive what you want to give us today. So lead us right now and um, strengthen us in Jesus' name, amen. Whew, that's good stuff, you guys. Go ahead and have a seat and take your Bibles. And we're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. Now, um, that whole part in Isaiah chapter 30 that talks about you will hear his voice and he will tell you this is the way that you should go. Um, I'm actually living that this morning. Um, I like to be planned in what I do and what I say, especially on, as I bring the word each week, I want to, I like to know like months in advance what I'm going to be preaching on, what passages I'm going to be bringing, and um, that brings comfort to me. I like, there's comfort and control. Anybody like that? <laughs> yeah, that's a fault, okay, that's not, it's not necessarily a strength. Um, and we're in a season right now where we're not in the middle of a series or I'm not in the middle of a passage. And so I'm kind of in this state right now in the last several weeks and, kind, and going through the end of the year where I'm just kind of like saying to the Lord, what is it that you want to say to the people? And waiting for the Holy Spirit to lead me into what that is. That's scary for me. I'd much rather be planned and kind of tell the Lord, this is what you're going to say. <laughs> it's not a good place to be either. Um, so I, I thought, you know, the church needs unity right now. And I was going to speak on that. So I went to John chapter 17 where it's all about God's desire, Jesus' desire for the unity in his church. And as I began to work on that, it was very clear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to me, that's not what I want you to speak on. And I'm like, okay, well then what is? He goes, jump back two chapters and I want you to speak on hatred. And I'm like, I don't want to speak on hatred. In fact, here's the sermon title. Why is there so much hate? <laughs> and I got to be honest with you and tell you, I don't want to speak on this today. Um, I'd much rather speak 
on something else, on unity. But the Lord made it very clear, you need, no, you need to speak on this because of this. It is clear in the scriptures that in the end times, as we get closer and closer to the end, men will become lovers of themselves and they will hate each other. Brother against brothers. There is going to be a growing hatred in our communities of the world. Not, this is not just something that's localized. This is something that is global. And there is something that is happening systematically to the people of the earth that is causing division, hatred, confusion, brokenness of all, at all levels. And we need to speak to it. I, I feel like the Lord is saying, Phil, you need to speak to this to prepare the people for what is coming. You see, there is an enemy, the great enemy of the souls of men. His name is Satan, and he has come, his, has one purpose, and that is to kill, steal, destroy, and divide. That is clearly in the scriptures what his goal is, and he is coming in to do that. He's a master at that, and the scripture also tells us that he is at work blinding the eyes of those who do not believe so that they cannot see the truth. And they cannot see. So it's, he's covering up the thing he's actually trying to do in the world today. It really ticks me off what's happening in our schools. So I'm just going to camp right there just a little bit, okay? I'm just really had it up to here with people. I mean, why have we lost our minds, my friends? Why have we lost? We are losing our minds what is it with people who want to teach our children that what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right, what is bad is good and what is good is bad? It's not just like we have one or two wild hares out there trying to run around and, and, and cause destruction. We have a whole system worldwide that is targeting our young in order to teach them things that are completely anti-Christ. It's disgusting. It is. It's making me so crazy. I want to rise up and do something. I don't know what to do. I, I'm a pastor. I'm not an activist. I have people calling me saying, we need a conservative pastor who will get out there. And I said, listen, you got to understand, I'm not an activist. I'm a pastor. It's my job to know what's going on in the world and bring the truth of God's word into our situation so that we can live like Christ wants us to live in a world that is going to hell in a, in a hurry. It is such a dirty, cheap shot of Satan to go after our little kids. You guys don't get scared, all you little kids, okay? All right? Jesus is more powerful than Satan. You need to hear me. You need to hear me, okay? Nobody 
can be, Jesus loves you. And you're, you're in church. I love that you got, all you little kids are in church and you're hearing about Jesus. He is the one authority. We sing a song that comes straight out of scripture. One word from him is all it takes. There is nothing happening in your world and happening in your life that Jesus isn't in full control of and it's not surprising him. And yet it tears us apart. So don't let me scare you this morning, okay? Jesus is awesome and powerful. But there's some wicked stuff that's going on in our world. And it's a cheap shot of Satan to go after the young minds of our children to tell them that they're not little boys or they're not little girls. I, uh, man, I'm just gonna just step all in it this morning, okay? So we've got, we got a, a gal, just a dear woman up here that she's, she's part of a group that is, is trying to, not here right now, I'm not talking about you guys. Everybody looked over here like, who's he talking about? This woman, I'm pointing here because she came up at the end of the service, at, at the end of the second service, and she just said, I'm part of a group of mama bears that are just fed up with what people are trying to teach our children. And she's involved in a group of women, I, I guess it's women, I don't know the whole, it's, she's involved in a group where they're going to, to up against the Concord School District to say, get these sex books out of our libraries. Why are you teaching eight-year-old children? Why are you letting eight-year-old children read books that tell them to have sex and don't tell your parents about it? Woe to those, Jesus says. Woe to those, God says, who will teach people that what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. Shame on them. And praise the Lord, she said, because of our group this past week, they took 40 books out of the library that had no business being in a library where children are reading filth. I didn't come to church to hear you tell me that things are going to get worse. I know. But I have to tell you, things are going to get worse. And so we need to speak to this stuff now so that we know how to act then. So we're going to be in John chapter 15. And Jesus is actually going to speak to us through John's gospel on why there is so much hate in the world and what we should do about it. You ready for that? You up for that? Yes. All right, let's go after it, okay? So here we are. We're John 15. Let me just tell you that this part of the gospel of John is describing the final week of Jesus' life. Um, the final week of his ministry here on earth. This is right before he's going um, to the cross for us. And starting in chapter 13, we find the, um, the, the, um, the upper room discourse. We find out what actually happened as he met and gathered together with his, his most trusted and his most loved men, his disciples, as he met together in the upper room on this, his last night, Thursday night. And for the most part, um, that upper room experience is um, a night of love and encouragement. And it needed to be. 
because um, they needed encouragement. And isn't it just like Jesus? I, I just, this is a side note. I'll be at a lot of side notes today probably. But this is, isn't it just like Jesus who knows that you need encouragement? He knows when you're kind of freaking out. See, the disciples were kind of freaking out on stuff that they were hearing, and he knew they needed encouragement, and so he goes to encourage them. They, they were freaking out over stuff that he was telling them, like, I'm going to leave you, and you can't come with me. And they're like, what do you mean you're going to leave us, and, not, and we can't come with you? We've given up our whole lives to follow you. We'll go anywhere you want. And he says, no, I'm going away, and you can't come. They're kind of freaking out on that, kind of causing anxiety in their lives. Well, what are we going to do now? Just tell us where, we're, where you're going. I'll go with you. They heard that, just this night, they heard that one of the 12, one of them, Judas, was gonna actually betray Jesus that night. They also heard that their leader, Peter, strong Peter, the rock, is gonna actually deny Jesus three times that night. They heard this stuff. And they're starting to freak out a little bit, like things are coming unraveling. Are you feeling like things are coming unraveled a little bit? I am. So at a time when things are just coming undone all around us, Jesus knows we need some encouragement. And I think that's why he whispered into my ear behind me this week and said, you need to just speak this into the people today. Amen. So he gives them promises to encourage them, and he gives us the same promises See if these aren't familiar to what has been taught to us that we can claim of these promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things like, I'm going to go away and you can't come with me, but don't worry. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm gonna come back and get you and when I get you, I'm gonna take you to that place with me and then you're gonna be there forever with me. How awesome is that? What a great promise that is. He promised them that he would do whatever they asked of him if they asked in his name, that he would provide their every need. He promised them that he was going to send them his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit was going to be in them. I can only imagine what Jesus felt like and what was going on in his heart and mind because he understands the Holy Spirit. When he's like saying, guys, listen, don't worry about everything that's going to happen around you and that is happening around you. You're gonna get the Holy Spirit pretty soon, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, look out, it's gonna be awesome. Oh, and by the way, when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells you and lives inside of you, I'm gonna be there too because he's my Holy Spirit. So you won't see me any longer physically, but you're going to see me because I'm gonna be living in you. Oh, no, by the way, the Father wants in on this too. So the Father's gonna come. So you're actually going to possess inside of you the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oh, by the way, when that happens, all the power and resources of heaven are yours in order to, for you to work your way through all the things that are happening in this world. How awesome is that? Do you know that those are your promises too? Excuse me? Is that all I can get out of that kind of truth? That all of those are your promises too? I mean, this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And God wants you to know, Jesus wants you to know, no matter what is going on in the world, I will be with you. And I will never leave you and never forsake you and you will be successful. You don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. They were promised joy, they were promised peace, and they were promised fruit that would last. And look at verse 17. So here we are, right? John 15, look at verse 17. He says, I say all these things to you 
so that you will love each other because, verse 18, the world is going to hate you. What he wants you to know, I want you to know all of these things so that you will love each other. Isn't that interesting? You need to be loving on each other as a church. You need to be full of love for each other and, full, and get strength from all these promises because the world is going to hate you. Verse 18 says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Here's the, here's the message from Jesus. And therefore for us today, hey, hey guys, the world is going to hate you, but take heart, don't be surprised. That's what he's saying. Don't be surprised that the world is going to hate you. It hated me first, and so it's going to hate you. He's not saying if the world hates you, try harder to be nice. How many times are you tempted that? You know, the world hates you, they don't like you, so it's like, well, I'll just try to be nice. He's not saying be nicer to them and they'll start liking you and loving you because he knows it's not true. He didn't say, if the world hates you, start loving people more. Is it important to be nice to people? Is it important to be nice? Yes, it is, it is. God, Jesus wants us to be nice to people. Is it, is it important to love people and love the people in the world? Yes, it is. But Jesus' message to us isn't, when the world hates you, start loving them more. It isn't, when the world hates you, start following me better. Is it a good thing to follow Jesus in the middle of trial? Yes, it is, but that's not his point. <laughs> Jesus' point is, when the world hates you, don't be surprised. He's not asking you to fix it. He's asking you to live with it. He's not going to say, hey, the world's going to hate you because it hated me. So when they hate you, here's your little remedy. No, it's just like deal with it. Now, who wants to hear it? Do you want it? That's kind of offensive. Right? You don't, and you don't want to hear this. I know you. Some, some of you right now today are going, I did not come to church for this, Bill. Give me some hope. You do know that hope is in truth, right? Yes. Okay. Why is this message so important? Why would Jesus, point B, when they hate you, don't be surprised? Why is that important? And why is it important that John wrote this thing down so that we can be reading it today? Apparently, we need help with hatred. And we need help with haters. We are in danger of living under the illusion, and I'm, I'm testifying to this, that if we just remain attached to the vine, if we just love the Father like we should, if we would just wash some feet, if we would just obey Jesus' commands and conduct ourselves perfectly, then nothing will ever go wrong and our lives will be grand and everyone will love us and certainly no one will ever hate us. Sounds good. <laughs> I am so guilty of this. And it derails me all the time. Because all the things that we're supposed to do in our faithfulness to the Lord, we're supposed to do in faithfulness to the Lord. But I, from somewhere down the line, because I've been in church since I was a baby, and somewhere down the line, I locked into this false truth 
this truth that I thought was real, that if I'm just faithful to the Lord, and if I'm faithful to do the things he's asked me, and I do the hard things that he asked me to do, and I love everybody around me, then he'll protect me, and I'll be blessed, and the blessing comes in, nothing will go wrong, and I'll have plenty of money, and everything will be great, and I'll never have any tragedy in my world and in my life. It's false. It's not true. In fact, don't get depressed when I say, and don't hate me when I say, that when you are faithful, sometimes the more faithful we are, the harder it gets. The more the attack, the stronger the hate. I don't like hearing that. But it's an illusion, my friends. You are, you're dreaming. Now, let me back that up. You're deceived. If your view of the Christian experience is like earning your way to blessing, don't miss it, though. When we are faithful to the Lord, he blesses us. Blessings chase the righteous, the scripture says. You actually can't get the blessing of the Lord if you're not living for the Lord. But your living for the Lord doesn't guarantee that you won't have any issues in your life and nothing hard will happen. And if you get upside down like I have been upside down, then your heart is going to be broken. Because that's not true. And you have to relearn. And thank God we can. But you know what's even more shocking to hear other than, um, hey, the world's going to hate you, so deal with it? You know what else is shocking to hear? Jesus says, Luke 6, 26, you can look this up later. Just write that, Luke 6, 26, just write that down. You can look it up later. Jesus says, beware when all men speak well of you. In fact, it says, woe to the person when the whole world and all the peoples of the world speak well of you. In other words, if everyone in the world is speaking well of you, something is wrong. I didn't even get that, Jesus said, and I'm the creator, their creator God. I created them, and I came among and lived among them, and I lived perfectly among them, and I didn't even get that. So why do you think you would get that? If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Now, I want to just talk about what this hatred is, okay? If it's, as if it's not bad enough that I use that word, you need to understand what that word means. It's a deep and emotional, extreme dislike associated with anger, disgust, and the disposition towards hostility. You want me to say that in a different way? Here it is, and I got it on the screen for you. What Jesus is talking about is extreme feelings of hostility. Intense ill will with the desire to seek another person's harm. Jesus isn't saying that the world is going to dislike you. Like, you know, our personalities just don't jive, and so I don't want to be your friend. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about distrust. He's not talking about disdain even. Hatred is much more than this. Look at it again. Look at this again. Extreme feelings of hostility. 
intense ill will with a desire to seek another person's harm. You're hated when someone else wants to do you harm in any way possible. This is what Jesus is talking about. He is saying that the world is going to hate you. They want to do harm to you. They want to take you out. What is Satan doing right now? He is roaming about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. The world and its system underneath Satan's control wants to take you out. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying they're just not going to like you because you're religious. No, they want to hate you and kill you. You know, I'm, I'm preaching this in the first service, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm online. And by the way, welcome, all of you guys are online. And I'm thinking, you know, if you don't have the context of this, and you don't have the context of the scriptures and understand what I'm talking about, this sounds really, really bad. Like some kind of rally we're having here. It's not. And you might be sitting here thinking, and maybe you're online saying, man, I, I got to get out of here. This dude's radical. Um, and if you're offended a little bit by what I'm saying, you need to hold on because it gets worse. I'm serious. Here's a key truth. Write it down. If you're all in for Jesus, it's not going to be okay with everybody. All those who want to live godly will suffer persecution. That is a biblical verse, a biblical truth. In fact, if you're okay with everyone, it's evidence that you don't have this Jesus following thing done right. So Jesus says, they're gonna hate you, don't be surprised. They're gonna hate you because you're following me. Here's the second thing he wants you to know. Acknowledge the source. That's what he wants you to know. Verse 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. There's a lot of worlds in there. You know, 57 times in the Gospel of John, he uses the word world. And like always in the Greek language, if you don't understand Greek, here's, here's some, a little tidbit for you. In the Greek language, it's very descriptive, their language. So they use words and they, they have meanings to their word, but in English, we're more simple. And so we just have one word that they have three words for, we just have one. And so, and this is one of those cases. Love is another one of those cases, the word love. But in this case, it's the word world. And we have one word that we use for that, okay? But in, in, their, in their writing and in, in this, he's talking about different things when he says world at different times. So three different ways of the use of that world. The world as in planet. We would say planet, okay? But world as in planet. World as in the world's system and the world's philosophy. World as in the world's people, so the people of the world, okay? So the world and declaring the people. Okay, let me, let me give you an illustration of that in John 1.10. John writes this. He, Jesus, was in the world, which is the philosophy. In that case, they're using the philosophy of the system. And the world, the planet, was made through him. 
yet the world, the people, did not know him. Do you see how that works? And so in one verse, he uses all three forms of the word. Okay, let's go back to verse 19, because you really need to hear this and get this, what, what he's talking about. So verse 19 says, if you were of the world, and at that one it means philosophy or system, then the world, the people, would love you as its own. Okay, so the, that's a very basic truth here, but it's very profound. If you were of the systems, the world's system and the world's philosophy, if you lived that way, then the people of that system, the people of that world would love you. They would take you as their own. But because you are not of the world philosophy or system, but I chose you out of the world philosophy of system, therefore the people of the world hate you. Are you getting it? You need to understand the source. Jesus is saying, this is the way it works when you follow me. If you follow me, you are not following the ways of the world. And when you're not following the system and the and the philosophy of the world, then the world will hate you because you're not of them anymore. I have actually called you out of that in order to be a new kind of people, a different people, to live my way, the kingdom way, not the earthly way. This hatred comes because you're living differently from everyone else as you stand for Jesus. We've got to acknowledge the, the source. Haters are those people who live on this planet who believe in its philosophy and who despise you because of your allegiance to Jesus, not because you're grumpy, not because you have a grumpy disposition. They don't dislike you because you're grumpy. They don't dislike you because you're full of yourself. They don't just dislike you because you have a prickly personality. We all have that, but that's not the point Jesus is saying. You're not, they don't dislike you and hate you because you're weird or because you're hard to get along with. They hate you because you're trying to be like Jesus. In fact, The world's philosophy and the system, and didn't, hasn't Steve Etner do a great job for us the last two weeks? I just am so, um, he was in the first service, and, and I, so many people are like, Phil, just get out of the way and let Steve preach. Let him go. I mean, he is just, how awesome. And when Steve preaches, he always reminds us that our problem is that we put King me on the throne of our lives, right? And that's what the world system is. That when, when we talk about the system or the, or the philosophy of the world, the philosophy of the world is everybody is elevating themselves. Everybody wants them to be on the throne of their lives, and they believe that everything and everyone in the world around them exists to please them and to meet their needs and to take care of them. Now, who does that sound like? It sounds like their father, the devil, who was in heaven, and he was a created angel, a created being, and then he decides, you know what? I don't want to have God on the throne of everything. I want me to be on the throne of everything. I want everything and everyone in the world to worship me and to bow down before me. I even want Jesus Christ to bow down and worship me. So I'm going to elevate myself at that point. And didn't, wasn't it awesome in that song we sang? I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's what happened. When he did that, he fell from heaven and got cast into the earth and said, no, you cannot be in heaven. This is not the way that it works in my kingdom. I am on the throne, and I am the best person to be on the throne, not you. And so he comes down to earth, and what does he want to do? 
He's filling the earth with a bunch of little Satan. Oh, I did not say that. Back off, Phil. Back off just a little bit. How can I rephrase that? You know that whenever I was born, I became a little Lavoy. I was of my father, Lavoy. That's my dad's name. That's a weird name. But anyway, that's my dad's name. Right? So I became a little Byers. So when we're born, because of sin, we're born into... Can I say this out loud? Yes. It is truth, right? It is Bible. But it's, I've, have I said enough harmful things today? See, when we are born into this world, I don't want to say this out loud. I got a little, I got a little granddaughter coming in two, in, in two weeks, three weeks, three weeks. Three weeks, I got a little grandchild coming. When she's born, she will be born into sin. Jesus said, when they do these things, they're just doing the will of their father, the devil. My little grandchild, all of my grandchildren that don't know Jesus, all of you, if you don't know Jesus, you little kids, any, in fact, any adults in here that do not know Jesus, that's why we're so desperately in need of him. That's why he came to save us. He came to die for us so that we can be saved, so that we can know him. Because without him, we are doomed. Following the will of our father, the devil, putting King me on the throne of our lives. And here's the crazy thing in this story that we're talking about today in John chapter 15 and this truth that we're experiencing here is that when you're living like the rest of the world and you're living for yourself, they don't hate you because you're being selfish. They don't hate you for putting yourself on the throne of your life. They don't hate you for mistreating and abusing and using everyone around you for your own special gain. No, they don't hate you for that. When you're living like that, they accept you as one of their own because that's the way they are. They hate you when you're selfish. Less. (laughs) Back up. (laughs) They hate you when you're selfless. They hate you when you're self-sacrificing they hate you when you're being tender and compassionate and loving and kind how upside down and crazy is that but that's what satan is doing he's turning the whole world upon its head what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right how can they hate why do they hate us for trying to be kind and loving and selfless and putting jesus and god on the throne of our lives and being like jesus there's a mystery. One brother came up to me after the first service and says, I got the answer to that because it shines the light on their darkness. And nobody likes that. Don't be surprised, Jesus said. Acknowledge the source. And here's the third thing. Adjust your expectations. Look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Adjust your expectations. Here's what I mean by that. How many of you like to be liked? 
We all do, right? Anyone ever done something you know you shouldn't have done and certainly wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the fact that if you didn't do it, you wouldn't be liked? Like six people? Thanks for being honest, brother. <laughs> hey, parents, ever not led in your home or have you ever not taken the stand in your home in the way that you knew you should because the kids might not like you for it or you might not be popular in the home if you do the thing that you know you should do? Any parents, do, don't raise your hand, but if you ever done that? How about in your friendships? Ever not said the hard thing in love because you cared more about being liked by your friend than you did having your friend's best interest in mind? How many times has that happened? It's time to, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's time to kill popularity and focus on being faithful and have realistic expectations about what will happen if you are faithful to the Lord. Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. What's a good word to use to describe Jesus? Somebody shout out a couple of, what's a good word? Shout it, because I'm deaf, and so I need to hear. What are some good words to describe Jesus? Humble. Humble. What? Trustworthy. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, there was like eight things all at once. Loving. Loving. Merciful. Merciful. Yes. And they loved him for it. What? How upside down is that? You got somebody who is perfect and flawless and holy and faithful and merciful and loving. And he, the Bible says that he went about doing good. Everywhere he went, he went about doing good, healing people of diseases, providing for people, raising people from the dead, meeting people's needs. You would think that a person like that, that everyone on earth would bow down before and worship and say, oh, how awesome are you? No. How'd it go for Jesus? How, how just, how weird is that? I mean, even if you thought he was a religious fanatic and you're just like, I can't deal with the religiosity of this dude. He's just like too pure. He's too good. But I can't get over the fact that every time he turns around, he's doing something, he's performing some kind of miracle. I think I want in on that. I might not buy into his whole system, but I want in on some of the stuff he has to give. So let's, because I'm king me, let's just use him for everything that he has. Is that how the world treated him? How did the world treat him, my friends? This perfect, flawless son of God, God himself who came to earth, the creator of the universe. They killed him. They mocked him, falsely accused him, arrested him, beat him almost to death, hung him on a cross, and crucified him. You know what's over the top of all that? They hated him for doing good.
He lived perfectly, and he couldn't avoid the hatred that flowed out of his faithfulness. So his message to us is, lower your expectations, everybody. I was perfect, and they didn't like me. You're imperfect. You think they're going to like you? You're trying, but you're trying in an imperfect way, and you're failing all the time. You're struggling all the time to not be like the world. And if they hated me in a perfect condition, they're going to hate you too. We need to adjust our expectations and dump once and for all the myth that everything will go smoothly and that life will go well and that everyone will like us if we're just faithful to Jesus. The fact is, are you listening? You still with me? Faithfulness to Jesus will more than likely increase your unpopularity in the world. That's the message here. And so we've got to adjust our expectations. Well, how do I do that, Phil? Here's a couple of things. These are just a couple of things, okay? But first of all, expect joy, not happiness out of this life. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is dependent upon your circumstances and the way you feel about and interpret your circumstances. But joy lasts and is here to stay. You know there's a difference between joy and happiness, right? Because happiness is emotion-based, but joy is truth-based. And you can know that you can have joy in your trial. You can have joy even though things might be falling apart around you. They may not make you happy. In fact, there might be a lot of sadness that we carry with us in this world because of the things of this world and the things that we go through in this world. But that does not steal our joy because our joy is in the strength of the Lord. Here's another thing. Expect peace, not calm. You can control peace, you can't control calm. You can't control the chaos that is happening in your world. And Jesus speaks of a peace to your soul, a peace that passes understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus so that when the storms of life are raging all around you, you may not be able to control that storm and say, peace, be still. You don't have the power sometimes to step in and say, peace, be still, and calm the storm. But you know the one who can, and Jesus is living in your heart in the form of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will speak calm to your soul in the midst of the storm, even if the storm is raging. Amen. That's where our comfort comes from. Expect peace, not calm. Here's another thing. Expect love, not harmony. This one's hard. Sometimes in order to be faithful to the Lord, you've got to speak the truth in love. Sometimes you have to step into it and you have to step on it. And sometimes you have to stir things up. I praise the Lord for the people that God, godly people that God has given the platform, like their dear sister that came down here and God is giving them a platform to lead others into providing righteousness and declaring righteousness into our situation and saving the lives of our children and those who are going to an eternal damnation away from God. Expect love, not harmony. Expect help, not ease in this life. Don't look or seek a life of ease. Look for help. This is not a time to rest and to take it easy, my friends. You know that, right? The battle is waging all around us. I'm ending where I started. 
Things are getting worse, they're not getting better. And as they get worse and worse before Jesus comes, we have to be ready to go into and march into that battle. And you don't go around this. It is not for Christians to sit around and say, oh, just look for the easy path. If you're a Christian and you think, oh, you know, it's time for me to just kick my feet up and just relax and, and coast out on this thing, you're totally missing what it is to follow Jesus. It's time for us to put on the armor, roll up our sleeves, sharpen our swords, and go to battle. Yes. Because it's going to get worse and worse. And the world is going to come against the systems of God and the people of God, and the people of God need to be ready. We're spending time right now in peacetime preparing you for the war that is waging and what we're going to have to step into maybe tomorrow. And you need to understand that if, if, you're, if you think that the life, the Christian life, is all about finding the safe little place, you're totally missing it, and you're totally going to miss the wonder and glory of fighting the battles for the Lord. And those battles are coming. What Jesus wants us to understand is, listen, get the right perspective on this world. This world is not your home you're just here for a time. I have saved you. I have called you out of its system. I called you to live a different life. I've called you. We're going to talk about this more next week. I have called you to a very specific thing that only the people of God can do on this planet. And I've left you there to do it. And you need to get ready and realize that there is hatred out there. The Satan is trying to destroy everything that I'm trying to do. Don't be surprised by it. Understand the source of it, lower your expectations, and march on. And that's where I'm going to leave it today, and we'll pick it up next week. Okay? okay. <laughs> Are you all right? all right? I'm kind of beating the head a little bit today, I, I know. <laughs> but I want to just um, have you stand, and this is how we're going to end the service today, okay? I want to stand, have you stand, and I want to speak words of hope and words of life into you because they are words of truth. And I want you to just pretend I'm the Apostle Peter up here, and I'm going to speak right from Peter's heart that he wrote down for us to get encouragement and strength from in 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the word for all of us here today. Since Christ suffered physical pain... You must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. Don't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends, they're surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, so they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, most important of all, are you still with me? Yes. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, so use them well to serve one another. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. It's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. If you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, then keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. God help us. I pray that you'll help my brothers and sisters as we deal with this truth. That there is an enemy and he is driving the hatred and the division in our world and it is turning to the church. Prepare us, Lord, so that we can stand in the day of adversity. Use us powerfully to be influencers of light and shining the light in this dark world. And I pray that you'll bless my brothers and sisters and help them. Help them not to be discouraged by this sermon, Lord, today, but to walk in the hope that though the world hates us, you are for us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and that you will never leave us and never forsake us, and that help is on the way. Thank you for that. Go with us now, in Jesus' powerful name, amen. God bless you. Give somebody some encouragement on the way out. They probably need it. Give somebody a hug, and we'll see you back here next week.